The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Navigating the Cancer Maze with Grace Goller. Dealing with cancer is by no means easy to handle, but our program aims to make it easier through knowledge. Whether you've been recently diagnosed, are going through treatment right now, or are a survivor, our program will have points that you should hear. And by sharing our stories together, we'll make it truly a life-changing experience that you don't have to go through alone. Now, here is your host, Grace Goller. Hello and welcome again to another edition of Navigating the Cancer Maze. Um, I will just say in the beginning, if you logged on to my blog last week looking for uh, information and links about last week's show, please go back and visit it again today. I had a bit of a glitch last week, as I think many people did around the world with their uh, blogs, and uh, that glitch has been repaired and all the information from last week, which had some very valuable reference and resources for you, will be available. Um, there was a, a blog that did go up about the black salve, um, and I believe that's the uh, the pronunciation that uh, a lot of you people in the US use is salve, not salve, like we do in Australia. So people were saying, well, what is this? Um, that blog did manage to, uh, to go up. So if you want to have a look at that and some more about about the history and the cautions with that, please do go to grayscholarmedia.com. Now, um, as usual, I'm prompted on these uh, particular shows, Navigating the Cancer Maze, to share with you things that are coming towards me uh, during the week in my practice. And uh, certainly one that has been coming very, very much uh, in my face, if you like, is the idea of the cancer recurrence. And uh, patients who feel quite inept at the time when they have a recurrence um, to deal with that and we call that a setback. So um, today I want to specifically discuss how to prepare for setbacks as you navigate the cancer maze. It'd be wonderful to think that as you set out on this journey that it was going to be uh, very smooth, there weren't going to be any issues, you could be diagnosed, have your treatment and get on with your life as you wanted to. But uh, I'm yet to meet the person who has been able to achieve that. Um, so setbacks are very important to deal with actually at the earliest time in your diagnosis. And that might seem quite a paradox to you. But it's like having an insurance policy for uh, knowing what to do when life's issues come along. And when the diagnosis has been cancer or, you know, a major life challenge. We said recently on the show that it doesn't have to be cancer. Any crisis will do. Um, so these uh, particular 
words of wisdom I hope they're going to be today. Um, actually, they're mainly through the experience of my patients, I must add, um, as well as some of my own personal experience. But um, to be able to look back and to be able to use those particular wisdoms to chart our way forward and to be able to make a plan how to navigate the cancer maze is uh, really, really important. I'll also share what I did learn uh, myself as a survivor and thriver. Um, and there's something here about the secret to good life quality and also peace of mind and empowerment after a diagnosis of cancer. Um, it doesn't only concern choices of treatment. In other words, that's what you have done to you or given to you as a part of a treatment. And many patients do not want to lose control. They, they want to stay in control of their situation, be able to choose their treatments, etc. Now, this is an area we've spoken about before on navigating the cancer maze quite a deal. And I think there needs to come a time when you do trust um, the people who are providing your treatments and um, in giving them that trust, it actually frees you up to look at these other, I think, just as important and perhaps even more important um, issues because our experience with illness is determined by how we choose to take the journey. Um, in fact, it's the only aspect of our situation where we can be truly in charge so um, I call it the cancer challenge. It used to be called the war on cancer or the battle with cancer. I think the challenge is a much better reframe actually of that word. But this challenge, it can be won or it can be lost based on how you manage a setback or how you manage a series of setbacks. So without a plan, setbacks can be really an exhausting experience and you can find yourself just bumbling along from one crisis into another into another and becoming more overwhelmed in fact the resultant hopelessness from the constant onslaughts can be quite crippling and it can uh, really destroy any hard-earned motivation that you've tried to sustain to get you through um, so we know, and I know from working with many thousands of patients, when we talk about this and we actually name it, um, it really helps to allow people to become clear on their goals and where they want to go. Um, so if you're listening today and you've been diagnosed with cancer, I can appreciate that this is a very lonely time for you as a patient. And it can be very lonely often for a patient um, when they have someone around them or a number of people around them. And this is one of the one of the big things with this kind of illness. It's so personal. Um, that you can even feel you're alone when you have support around you. And I might add, if you are the support person, um, not the patient, but the key supporting person, you can also be experiencing this type of aloneness um, as your partner navigates the cancer maze. So today I'd really like to encourage you, especially... Um, if you're a first-time diagnosed patient, I'm going to do this in three sections today. For first-time diagnosed um, without having the recurrence, a patient who has been diagnosed, been treated and has a recurrence or a series of them, and also if you're a survivor 
what happens then um, in dealing with setbacks because there's three very distinctive stages, if you like, in navigating the cancer maze. So if we start with the uh, first diagnosis, you're listening today, you've recently been diagnosed with cancer, I would really encourage you to approach illness as if you were about to create a new business and you wanted to make a business plan to present maybe to your bank or financiers or other people who wish to support you in your business. Now, in a business plan, there's a projection for, say, two, five, and sometimes 10 years in the future. There's an area for research and development. There's an area for planning. And importantly, there's always an area for contingencies, contingency plan, a what-if plan. And uh, if you don't know how to make a business plan, uh, I would think most people out there have been involved in some way in a business, but my best suggestion for you is to take a look at some of the best of the business books that are available. This is actually my best advice. The first port of call um, is not the how to heal shelf of self-help cancer books of self-cure cancer books. I really encourage you to think about this. But the first port of call, I believe, from my experience and from that of my patients, are books that will help you, material, DVDs, uh, movies, videos, that can help you to strategize your life from this time forward. Now, some people have said, and this can sound a little bit flippant, um, that illness and disease can uh, bring a gift, that the threat of losing your life you can have helps you to find your life. And uh, this is something that I've also found very true for myself. So the changes for most people don't need to be huge. But I would recommend a plan that includes a stating of your life goal. What is your life goal? Now, if you've been diagnosed with a, um, a so-called terminal illness, which I don't like that word at all, I would say a life-challenging illness. And I don't think that's being um, in denial. I think that's quite realistic because to say that it's terminal at this point is a very open-ended thing. And I think that word is thrown around far too um, easily. So finding some direction in your life. Also, very, very important. Where are you headed? Which way are you going? What are you going to do? Who's going to be on board to support you is another question in that plan that needs to be answered. We touched on this a little bit uh, a few minutes ago. Whom can you trust? Um, this is a very big one. A lot of patients want to have control over their illness, but it can get to the point where they have so much control that they don't want to trust anybody. And um, especially, it seems, people in the medical profession or even sometimes naturopathic practitioners. And people will just go off on their, their own path, read books, and think that I'm going to do it my way. And... Uh, you know, that's a, a very, um, I think, unhealthy way to be actually using this sense of control. So I think control could be replaced by a word called management. And I think uh, we can positively manage our illness and look at 
the number of people that we're going to bring in into that circle of trust. And, uh, of course, there should be, for anybody who's dealing with cancer, uh, definitely there should be an oncologist involved. I think other health professionals um, of your choosing and at times become very important. And there will be times where you bring people in and then you have people that have been in that circle of trust that you do you no longer have a use uh, for that person. They've provided the information that you needed for a period of time. You've moved on. And I think it's good to be open and flexible to this possibility too. Another important one, work out what needs changing and what doesn't. So people can really jump into this one. And I've seen patients expend so much energy trying to become something that they're not. And there's an old saying that, you know, if you're uh, starting off as an acorn and you're growing as an oak tree, you can grow to the best oak tree that you can be. You're not likely to suddenly turn into an elm tree. And uh, I think that's fairly good advice too. So really have a focus on that. Uh, work out what you need to change. Sometimes the people around you are very good at telling you what you need to change. And uh, sometimes that's worth listening to. And of course, sometimes um, it may be loaded. Um, work out uh, your inner resources, the wisdom you've already gained in your life and work out what you're going to do with that. So we're going to take our first break now on navigating the cancer maze and uh, when we come back we're going to be looking more at some of the things that you can do. I'll be giving you some resources and uh, we'll be asking lots and lots of questions of you during this period too. So don't go away, we'll be back shortly. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Hulvang Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.hullvang-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G-clinic.com. Or call us in Germany at 490-7443-964240. Learn to navigate the cancer maze with trusted professionals in cancer health care. The Grace Scholar Institute, a not-for-profit organization with an established track record, a global clientele, and expertise in local and international referrals. The Institute's founder has almost 40 years' experience as a multidiscipline cancer strategist with a focus on finding options in implementing personalized care for cancer patients. The Grace Scholar Institute can help you navigate the cancer maze. Why not email the Institute today at institute at gracegoller.com or visit their website at gracegollerinstitute.com. Listen each week to Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller, from the Grace Goller Institute as she interviews cancer medicine experts, researchers, allied health professionals, patients, and caregivers. 
Navigating the Cancer Maze provides you with information, education, inspiration, and a toolkit that will equip you wherever you are and whoever you are to effectively navigate your way through the cancer maze. The Gray Scholar Institute also provides ebook resources. Be inspired. Be empowered. Visit the Institute's website at www.grayscholarinstitute.com or email institute at grayscholar.com. You are tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Welcome back. I'm your host, Grace Gawler, and uh, today we're navigating the cancer maze and looking at how we can deal with setbacks, in particular with cancer, but indeed it could be with any illness at all. And uh, before the break, we were looking at the different aspects that can be included in a plan, and I'd just like to enlarge a little bit with you um, with those The utilising of your inner resources, for instance, I think that's a really very important one and we cut that a little bit short before the break. But uh, a lot of people, a lot of people who get cancer have a tremendous amount of inner resources from experiences that they've had during their life and they tend to uh, ignore these resources when there's a diagnosis of cancer. And I think I've related to you on the show before of an elderly gentleman many, many years ago, early in my practice, who came to me and he had prostate cancer. And uh, I asked him to tell me his life story. It's a great deal of value in listening to someone's life story. You learn a lot. And uh, what I actually learned from him was that he'd been in Changi. He'd been a prisoner of war camp. And uh, he had been one of uh, five people that were together in one cell block area. And he told me their story of survival and how they got out of Changi and uh, how other people that were around them uh, didn't manage to uh, survive. And I said to him, well, what were the survival skills? How did you do this, you know? Um, a pretty amazing story. Here you are with prostate cancer and you're asking me how to survive. Um, I think you actually know quite a deal of this, but you just have to apply it differently. And um, very much that was the case. And um, he actually went very well with his prostate cancer, with his treatment. He applied the strategies, in other words, the things that he already knew, his own inner resources, and he was able to use those to cope with this initial setback in his life and I believe he lived a very long life and did not die from his cancer in fact um, but old age and a heart condition. So the inner resources I think are very much underrated and uh, when you have uh, this time of a setback it's a time to really start looking at okay what can I do, what have I done in the past and how can I bring some of these really good things out and uh, actually put them into an application. Um, the last one is resilience and resilience or resilience training I think can be very, very helpful. This can be done with a counsellor. 
there are people that do specialise in resilience training. Some people have a natural element of this. I happen to be one of them and uh, it's not so difficult for me to find resilience but resilience can be learned and uh, resilience is a word that uh, I think it's a beautiful word actually. It's a, it's a word that implies flexibility, um, it's flexible to the changes, you're resilient. It's a bit like you know, if you tried to push a bamboo stalk over that it would bend in the breeze, it would bend with your weight but it would come back up again and stand upright. So um, resilience, I think, is something that's um, very much underrated also in terms of one of the skills for not only in setbacks, but for getting through cancer and surviving and thriving. So uh, I'd like to talk a little more about uh, what I said before in terms of cancer cure books. And, um, you know... I think one way of looking at this, I was thinking about the show quite a bit today because I've, I've had a number of patients this week with setbacks and um, I was talking with them about the early part of their diagnosis and the sorts of things that they did. And of course people saying, oh well I ran to this person and I ran to that person and all these people gave me books and tapes and CDs and I was just totally overwhelmed with it all. And that, I think, encapsulates this. Um, the cancer cure books, they do help you to create a plan, but it's actually more about what you're going to do physically. Um, and often it gives you a laundry list of more things to do and other things to ingest, um, diets to create, juices to take, and it all gets very, very stressful trying to fit this in with your day-to-day -day life. So that type of information, that type of book is really targeted um, in that area. And one thing I also was thinking about in terms of this, you don't find at the end of each of this kind of book a section on what to do if the advice in this book doesn't work for you. And uh, I think that's, uh, that's quite important too, that uh, it's, it's something that's a bit of an external issue and I think that health professionals by far, and particularly these days, are really well geared at helping you with this physical side. And yes, you can do exercise and you can bring in other physical components of your recovery, but um, some of the treatments and some of the supplements are far better if you give that responsibility in terms of quality and dosage to someone who's qualified. Now, in comparison with the sort of books that we've just discussed. Um, a strategized business-like book, um, a life plan, that starts to impact the way that you be, not the things that you do, if that makes sense to you. And it's a far more useful tool in planning your recovery, in my opinion. Um, it's more measured and it's certainly more focused uh, as a way of approaching your illness. So some recommendations. I've found that books designed for a good life in business can actually be very well applied by cancer patients and by the families and particularly by the support people. So we find that books authored by people like Stephen Covey, um, these are really, really excellent books 
Uh, I believe he was uh, he passed away in 2012. He's someone that I have personally um, uh, studied with during my lifetime and found it very helpful when I was managing quite a large um, charitable organisation many years ago. Uh, his principles were, were um, very sound and very practical and not some of the rah-rah that you might imagine uh, from uh, someone who's doing this kind of motivational work. But I think that Stephen Covey's books are a boon to help you change behaviours um, that you want to change, to look at reforming habits, creating new habits. And a really very important one here is helping with the family dynamics and improving uh, relationships and improving communication. This is an area often in my workshops where I find people are bored. They say, well, let's get on with it. We want to know information about cancer and the immune system. However, um, communication in the family is very important as a part of your recovery. Communication with your doctors is also very important as a part of your recovery. Communication with yourselves and then communicating with each other is also very important as a part of your recovery. So I see that communication actually threads all the way through um, the cancer patient's recovery, and indeed, when there's a time of a setback, it's a very, very good strategy to be able to communicate your needs effectively and what's actually going on for you. I was thinking about my uh, long-term favourites with Stephen Covey and uh, the few that I came up with was one called First Things First and also the very famous one, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, he brought out another one which was absolutely excellent and I recommended it to so many of my patients. It was The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Families. And if you go on the internet and you type in the name Stephen Covey, and that's Franklin Covey, um, it's called, they're a famous global um, entity now, and they specialise in performance improvement. And so if you want to improve your, um, your recovery or your managing setbacks, I think it's a very um, effective way to look at this as performance improvement. But on their um, website, you'll find that there's an amazing number of books. Even if you type the name Stephen Covey into Google, you'll find that there's a whole list of his excellent books um, come up. Um, books very easily available on the internet these days. And I noticed when I was having a look for the show that there's some free PDF downloads of the book. So I think that's very well worthwhile you investigating. Um, all you have to do then is uh, just go on the internet and download. But they're books that aren't going to get you into any kind of uh, mischief in uh, your navigation of the cancer maze. Um, I think very basically, to just sum this up, by preparing and strategising your recovery plan, um, which includes how to manage through one or more setbacks, I think you're loading the dice your way. And uh, by saying that, I mean I think you're going to get an improved an improved response um, and actually have a better quality of life than if you're rushing about and trying to do a whole host of things that are not going to be serving you and actually expending a whole lot of your energy. Now, I'd like to just relate here in my own case... Um, 
some of you who listen to the show will be aware of this, but I just want to put it in here because I am also talking from a personal point of view today. And in my own case, I had a surgically induced condition and uh, which basically paralysed the bottom end of my colon. So therefore, over several months, then years, my colon became really badly damaged. And while doctors were trying to work out what should be done, it actually wasn't known if my condition was going to be temporary, in other words, that the nerves would regrow and recover, or whether it was going to be permanent. So over those years, there was um, quite a deal of uncertainty and uh, that uncertainty was very challenging to live with. Uh, I think many of us have these unexpected or uninvited conditions and this certainly brought many changes into my life as I had known it before. So um, I think I was fortunate that I already had some of these skills. I'd built them up over the years. I'd had many patients. I'd already been a full-time carer of my husband who had bone cancer and he had survived. Um, I'd had thousands of patients actually and I'd raised four children and I'd been a student of Tai Chi, which I think also was exceptionally helpful. And by that stage, I had been... um, I'd say I was still a student of Tai Chi. Um, I'd been doing that for somewhere around about 18 years. But, um, you know, life throws things at you and right at the time when I was having my surgery, um, I also had to go through a marriage separation and divorce. So hence, I was quite traumatised and even though I knew what I needed to do for my survival, it required even more of me to survive than I ever, ever dreamed that I had in me and uh, I made my business plans I was very um, in fact fastidious about making my business plans Um, I planned for setbacks I always had a built-in contingency and uh, this was important to me when I actually found my solution and that solution came from a doctor in Holland who said he'd trial a bionic device that would be implanted along with electrodes into the bottom of my spine and my buttock. And one of the things I remember that he said to me, uh, because it was a trial, was experimental, hadn't been done for my condition before, and he asked me if I was willing to accept failure, should I not be successful? And I think that's a question that's a really very deep and important one for many cancer patients to actually answer um, because we need to really be addressing this sense of, well, what happens if... And that's what the basis of today is really all about. I was thinking uh, for the show about this and trying to uh, put down what my feelings might be uh, around that what are the qualities that I had to develop in order to survive um, and to survive and thrive? And I've just uh, labelled them here on a note and I'm going to go through them with you. I think resilience would have to be number one. Now, as I said, I'd already had a good deal of resilience and uh, it was something that relatively was natural to me, if you like, but resilience can be learned and uh, I'd really encourage you to explore that avenue The second one was focusing and uh, being present to my situations. Um, 
they unfolded, they changed, they shifted and I had to be very flexible with what was going on and yet have to really focus um, in a way that I'd probably never focused before. Being real was another one. And um, being real, I think, something that's authenticity, and we've talked about that on the show before as well. Um, authenticity can be a, a, a very, very valuable tool. And uh, I think bringing that into your recovery plan and dealing with setbacks is really, really important. Um, another thing I think that's very important in navigating the cancer maze and the setbacks is planning. Planning for what a new life might actually look like. And I don't think that's false. I think that's quite real. Um, you can imagine, a lot of people do imagery, you can imagine what your new life might look like, you can imagine what your life might want to look like. Um, the other thing is dealing with the uncertainty, and that's a really big one. Um, uncertain future, uncertain finances, um, there's so much uncertainty goes around dealing with um, illness. Accepting the fact, actually, that you could die. And uh, certainly along the journey for myself, there were many times where that was looking like it might be uh, what was going to happen. So being able to deal with that in a way that's not going to um, uh, interfere with your life quality while you still have your life. And I think that's something that's very challenging for many people to do because most people don't want to deal with setbacks who have cancer um, and most people uh, don't want to uh, deal with the issue of death and the possibility of it. But I think the approach of looking at the business plan actually makes this a lot clearer and a lot easier. Whereas if you're looking at the, I'm going to cure the cancer plan by whatever means and the number of times I've heard people say, yeah, I'm going to fight it, I can fight it, I can do it, you know, I just have to fight harder. And sometimes in the fighting you lose a lot of peace of mind. And uh, the business style approach and the planning approach actually avoids quite a lot of stress around that. I think taking each day as a new day, another really important one, and uh, the last one I came up with was a lot of people in this work talk about positive thinking. And I really, for myself, thought I had to look at possibility thinking, especially when I was offered this surgery um, in Holland, it was going to mean a lot of money, a lot of credit card expense because I didn't have the funds. I really wanted to um, to improve my life quality, save my life if possible because I had four children. And uh, so I think, uh, you know, that drive that took me into that was actually accepting, well, yes, it may work, but also it may not work and then they can be something else. And already I started to explore the other options that there uh, may have been possible for me, even though some of those options were drastic, but at least they were options. Um, so I was quite fortunate the device worked for me, but, you know, in an ongoing sense, there's a lot of uh, things I can't do anymore, like running and horse riding, and uh, there's a whole lot of uh, issues that come with it. It's not forever. It needs replacements periodically. Um, I need new electrodes periodically. However, you know, there's no free lunches. 
And uh, it's another thing that I often say to my patients as well. So we're coming up to another break on navigating the cancer maze. And do check in on the blog. As I said earlier, there's going to be more information on the blog during the Easter period, during the weekend. And uh, there'll also be some resources from last week where I couldn't actually uh, get the blog to cooperate to uh, do that for me. So uh, do visit that and you can also always email me on institute at gracegawler.com. So we'll go to our break now and then we'll come back with our last session of Navigating the Cancer Maze. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Listen each week to Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller, from the Grace Goller Institute, as she interviews cancer medicine experts, researchers, allied health professionals, patients, and caregivers. Navigating the Cancer Maze provides you with information, education, inspiration, and a toolkit that will equip you wherever you are and whoever you are to effectively navigate your way through the cancer maze. The Grace Scholar Institute also provides ebook resources. Be inspired. Be empowered. Visit the Institute's website at www.gracegollarinstitute.com or email institute at gracegollar.com. Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Hulvang Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.hullvang-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G-clinic.com. Or call us in Germany at 490-7443-964240. Learn to navigate the cancer maze with trusted professionals in cancer health care. The Grace Scholar Institute, a not-for-profit organization with an established track record, a global clientele, and expertise in local and international referrals. The Institute's founder has almost 40 years' experience as a multidiscipline cancer strategist with a focus on finding options and implementing personalized care for cancer patients. The Grace Scholar Institute can help you navigate the cancer maze. Why not email the Institute today at institute at gracegoller.com or visit their website at gracegollarinstitute.com. You are tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. 
and welcome back. I'm Grace Gawler and your host of Navigating the Cancer Maze. Um, we've been talking about setbacks today and uh, in the previous segments we've talked about uh, a primary diagnosis of cancer, um, my own condition and uh, as an illness rather than a cancer and I think it's very important to remember that uh, these tips can be used in life for any condition, not just if you have cancer. Um, now, in looking at setbacks in terms of a recurrence, so that means that someone's had cancer. Um, we all know that cancer sometimes isn't caught the first time around. And uh, sometimes when someone has a primary cancer, when they have their surgery um, initially, that there's already a secondary that's looming somewhere in the body and it just may not have been found yet and that turns up as a recurrence somewhere down the line. Um, that's a big shock for a lot of people. So, you know, cancer was uh, very difficult to deal with the first time around, and then when it recurs, it tends to bring with it all the issues that came the first time around, and particularly if they weren't um, dealt with with the skill of someone who works in the area of helping people with cancer with counselling. So you get the fear, you get the grief, you get the anger, you get the shock, you get the disbelief um, and the anxiety too and this tremendous sense of loss of control. Now that always is, um, uh, it's, it's not always rather, uh, put out there to the family or to friends and so the cancer patient can be just dealing with all of these emotions, just dealing with them themselves and trying to work out what on earth is going on in their life because it's all the structures, all the scaffolding has just been brought down again. And as I mentioned, if that hasn't been dealt with at the first diagnosis, it tends to hit really hard at the time of the second diagnosis. And what happens, and we've talked about this on the show before, but it's always good as a reminder that that kind of shock can actually cause our natural inbuilt survival mechanisms to kick in. And this results in what we know as dissociative states. And that's identified mainly in this case as post-traumatic stress. Um, it is post-traumatic stress disorder, post-traumatic stress syndrome. So um, many patients actually do have this at the first diagnosis. It's often well portrayed in movies where you see someone get some unexpected news or a shock and um, the actor, you'll notice that they hear sounds as if they're coming down a tunnel um, and suddenly words start merging into blurs and the person is quite disconnected from what um, is going on in their reality. Uh, they're transported to another place. And many patients have said this to me at the time when they were first diagnosed with cancer, when they bounced into the office expecting it was going to be a benign tumour, and the doctor says, um, I'm sorry, Mrs Smith, but you, you have breast cancer. And they've said that after they've heard that, it's like everything has just gone into this blur. And um, very crucial time, of course, for making decisions. But uh, if you're not present or if you don't have someone with you, it's a very uh, awkward time because there are decisions to be made and literally you find that you're not present to uh, be a part of those decisions. Now, more often than not, also, this goes unnoticed. Um, cancer patients can be quite stoic too, so they might not say anything. But, uh, you know, they have their surgery, treatments, 
chemotherapy, radiotherapy, and a number of patients will say, you know, I just didn't feel right. They couldn't even name it. And um, it's often at a counselling session where this will come up and they'll say, ah, yes, that's what it was. And actually, I still have that. So um, it's really important to deal with that aspect of um, shock and trauma that comes and very much so at the second diagnosis at the setback because if you do not deal with that, it's very hard to do the things that we just spoke of previously, to be focused, for instance, to, uh, to be able to think clearly, to be able to make decisions clearly, uh, to not just get on the treadmill of, of cancer cures and just try to run even faster than you did last time. And the thing called um, chemo fog, I think, is very much a, um, a part of this experience too where patients say, oh, my, my thoughts are like cotton wool or clouds. I can't quite grab them. Um, and this is a part of the trauma process. If you're seeing yourself in this today, please, please, please do get some help. It's not something that can be sorted out yourself easily. Uh, by the time I'd been through my 13 years of... Uh, uh, treatments and, and bowel problems, etc. Knowing what I know and doing what I do, I actually spent two years um, going every few weeks to a, um, a neuropsychologist before I came back fully into doing my work again because I was just so aware of the power um, that this kind of uh, post-traumatic issue can actually have. So... By all means, um, you know, look around and do some lifestyle changes, but please remember to pay attention to the things that help you to be in the world and the things that help you to really get well-being, as we call it. And quite often, they're the more obtuse things. Now, you can make yourself a pie chart to do this, and I have a little booklet called A Helping Hand. And um, if you have a look on the blog during the weekend or on my website, grayschoolerinstitute.com, um, you'll see that there is a resource. And also Women of Silence, um, The Emotional Healing of Breast Cancer. I'm going to upload a free chapter for you specifically on this post-traumatic stress issue. And you'll be able to go to grayschoolerinstitute.com um, probably in the next few hours after you've heard the show and you'll be able to download that as a PDF there for free. Um, as we're moving towards the end of the show, I just want to quickly cover the people who are survivors and thrivers. Um, those people dealing with setbacks, it's the same deal. If you thought you got through these first couple, um, maybe triple of uh, experiences with having cancer, I'd really encourage you to look at the sorts of things that we've been talking about today and to make yourself a plan because you're in the hot seat and you're the people that this tends to hit the hardest uh, when it comes to um, dealing with a setback. Now, we're going to continue with this theme next week. I've got a really special guest coming um, next week that I'm very much looking forward to. Um, she's written a book called Lead With Your Heart and indeed that's what we're talking about here rather than leading with your mind so much but leading with your heart. Her name's Regina Cates, that's C-A-T-E-S and she's inspired thousands of people every day to live the lives of limitless possibility um, by leading with the heart 
and her Facebook page, Romancing Your Soul, has approximately 250,000 highly engaged followers. So uh, she's going to be a very exciting guest, and she's been through her own experience, not cancer, but I think we can learn from other people who have walked their own maze, whether it's the business maze or the emotional healing maze, and we can get the best out of that to help dealing with the setbacks that go along with navigating the cancer maze. We're going to go now, and uh, I'll look forward to being with you next week. Have a wonderful Easter break, a peaceful and safe time, and look forward to having you here online again. Bye for now. Thank you again for listening to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Please join your host, Grace Goller, again next Friday at 12 noon, U.S. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember, cancer is not something you have to face alone. 